This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name is Lyle Fulton, and as I always am, as I hope I always will be at the early knockings of this podcast, I'm joined by the wonderful Jackie Vols. Jackie, how are you this fine Friday? evening and there's a reason why we're recording in the evening which we'll get to listeners how are you this friday evening jackie i'm great thank you lyle how are you i'm all right yeah i'm good i'm I'm not too bad yeah a bit of a tricky week for a number of reasons that we might get into as the episode progresses i've had some good news this week i've had some pretty tough news to take but we move on we recover and the podcast is exactly the way i like to kind of get back on that horse and recover exactly a spot on end to the week and we're recording this listeners at half past four uk time in the evening because we are joined as i promised we would be in last week's episode he's finally here ladies and gentlemen that's right it is the ceo and founder of ludo.ai but more than that he's just a brilliant friend of demozo of jackie and myself tom piggott is finally on the podcast and we are absolutely delighted tom joining us from seattle Good morning. Right? Yes, joining yes. you from Seattle. Brilliant stuff. And Tom, how are you this Friday morning? Where you are? How are you getting on? How has your week been? Thank you, Lyle. Thank you, Jackie. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, it has been a very busy week as a follow-up to uh, the conference last week in London. So lots to do, and it's been a terrific week so far. So thanks for asking. Brilliant stuff. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It goes without saying, we don't want to sort of build it up too much, but actually I don't mind doing that. I don't mind building up too much. We've been keen to have Tom on the podcast for so, so long. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. The rest is PR with us. And as you just alluded to there, Tom, you've just been at PGC. So before we ask you about kind of your career so far and all things Ludo.ai, all things AI, in fact, how was Pocket Gaming Connects in London? How was your trip over to the UK? How did you find your week over here? in London uh, speaking at that brilliant event. I think Pocket Gamer Connects in London last week was one of the most productive and uh, fun conferences that I've been to in a long, long time for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, to be able to meet the Demoso team in person, all those who I have not met before, um, got to see Jackie again. And so that was really terrific just to be able to put faces to names. We've been on lots of Zoom calls over the you know, past couple of years. So it's it was a pleasure to be able to to meet everyone. And also that went for a lot of the people in the industry whom I've gotten to know and network with. And just to be able to have conversations in the hallways or outside of the tracks was really beneficial. And needless to say, AI and gaming were the hot topics, generative AI. So we sort of felt like we were the center of a lot of the discussions regarding uh, trends for this year and going forward. And and so that was a lot of fun to be able to sort of speak to that and have lots of uh, spontaneous conversations based on that. Yeah, it's it's a hot topic, actually, this year. AI seems to be the sort of buzzword of all the conferences. I was just talking to Dave Bradley and Chris James from Pocket Gamer Connect about their Seattle Seattle event. And they're, you know, they were saying they're probably going to pop over to Seattle at some stage before the event, but they were talking about, you know, how successful the AI track was in London and how they're going to bring that back over to the Seattle event. So that's all really, really interesting. 
Yes. And, and my my only friendly pushback on that is I think we're trying not to uh, have AI become a buzzword, right? Um, as compared to, let's say, some of last year's buzzwords. And that was really a lot of the conversations was the fact that the developments in AI are actually happening. They're tangible. Yeah. They're having an impact on various industries, including gaming now versus things that are going to be built towards the future. And nobody really can say when and where they're going to be. So um like that would be the the only difference is that we hope it's not a buzzword and that it only continues to grow in importance um, for gaming now and into the future. I knew this was going to be a good one. Do you know what I mean? This is like, you know, we've uh, the last few episodes, I feel like Jackie and I, I think quite well. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to toot our own horn too much, but I think quite well. We've been kind of like almost def- like we've had some people not on the podcast, but we've kind of spoken about how people are a little bit fearful of ai as things start to develop and as technology starts to advance yeah i think that's understandable but i knew this would be a good one because we've got the man we've got the guy to go hold your horses you know ai is not a buzzword ai is part of what we're going to be doing it's all part of that is part of what we're doing isn't it and it's really generative ai that we're talking about here the progression of AI as a technology, because a lot of sort of AI aficionados or cognoscenti would argue that AI has been around for 20 years. Mm. And really, you know, generative AI is the next level in the, in the really transformative generation of that, of AI technology. So you're absolutely right. And Tom, just, just for your information, in the last week in the UK, there's been a huge story going around in the national press about how students are using chat GPT oh, yeah. for all of their essays and their homework. Yeah. And now they're calling on the government to change the general curriculum of schools and the assessment standards and everything else and move away from coursework over back into exams and this is really interesting from us sort of culturally and psychologically and socially and from mental health standpoint because the shift had been away from exams and towards coursework but now that everybody's advocating a shift back to live exams and the the eradication of coursework because of the ability to cheat yeah yeah it certainly is a big news story it's similar over here i actually have two kids in college um who are not using ChatGPT to write their essays, but uh, <laughs> they know people who do. Good save. And, uh, Good save. And we, we like yeah, it. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is having an impact. I mean, the, the, all the universities are trying to figure out what what it is. Uh, but they'll also say, you know, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's broad enough that it's helping assist. And that's, I think, how they're trying to position it with, say, if you're in a coding class and um, you're stuck on a particular, it's not going to write the entire code for you, despite what, you know, some of the rumors are. If you're a true programmer, the feedback regarding, let's say, ChatGPT has been it's it's helpful. It can definitely generate some lines that are useful. But at the end of the day, that has to incorporate into your existing code and, you know, be useful. But on the surface, it's amazing in terms of because it's in dialogue form. It's it's really another version of GPT-3, which uh, has been out for a while. And even the founder of OpenAI, Sam Altman, has said that he was really surprised at how chat GPT has just taken off because it was really just, a, you know, sort of an update with a slightly different twist on the existing model. But it's, needless to say, just exploded into the public consciousness in terms of the various uses and the various things you can do with it. Do you think that's a good thing? I think as someone who is obviously deeply involved in the space our our focus is gaming but how to apply ai models towards solving bottlenecks and problems within gaming i think the general awareness for artificial intelligence solutions and in, uh, overall is is great yeah it just brings the awareness up so 
for us, I would say Dolly, Stable Diffusion, uh, ChatGPT, those are all things that if the average person on the street is talking about, I'm aware of it, then it, yeah, I think it's sort of like when people started, they show old clips of in news shows in the 90s about the internet. And um, it's like, wow, this internet thing seems to be really popular. I wonder if it's going to get big, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, I, and again, I, I just emphasize, I think the differences, as you had mentioned, absolutely, uh, artificial intelligence models have been around really since last century. I mean, but why now? And that was part of my talk uh, last week was why is it now with generative AI that has taken the um, public's imagination by storm? And it's it's really a sort of convergence of computational power, the pure amount of research papers and people who are involved in AI and testing the models and being able to train the models and the amount of data that is available to be trained have all really converged in the past you know, year to make this sort of Cambrian explosion of the ability for everyone to try out and train models uh, across different industries. And let's talk about actually, I was going to kind of go straight into, you know, as we tend to, but this is no ordinary episode. Listeners, this is clearly no ordinary episode. I was going to go straight into, so Tom, tell us a little bit about your career so far. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. And we will, I've no doubt at some point, either in this episode or when you come on again, I'm just going to plant that <laughs> seed, talk about, you know, Soma, which you you know started up in uh, 1997, Candela Hotels and things like that. And obviously your interest in kind of investing in tech startups and things like that. But let's talk about AI from the Tom Piggott's perspective. You know, how did Tom get into AI. Tom, you know, when was your kind of first foray into kind of the AI space and how, in your opinion, has it grown from when you first got into it to where we are now, which as you rightly say, it's been around for so long, but you know, it's really kind of capturing the public's imagination. Now people are using it day to day. I wrote something for you, I believe, uh, in terms of like how it's used, you know, in everyday life and across all sorts of industries. So tell us a little bit about how you got into it and and where you kind of see it going, really, as we kind of advance through probably one of its biggest years ever, if we're being honest. Okay, great. Yeah, happy to. I tend to, as an entrepreneur, look for as most entrepreneurs probably do, um, problems to be solved or a couple of trends that are converging. And so several years back, we were actually, when I had gone back into mobile, back into tech investing, some angel investments, but really started to target the gaming sector and the ability to ideally be able to produce games, uh, first in VR actually. And then we shifted over just because of a challenge of building uh, scalable VR games and in the audience, but this was in 2018. So it was still fairly young. So we shifted over um, 2019 towards hyper-casual type games for the mobile phones, right? So games that are uh, quick play. And as we looked at it, as I looked at it as an entrepreneur's perspective and somebody who was relatively new to the industry, that is so competitive. And we were one of you know thousands of studios theoretically worldwide, that are trying to produce content, trying to produce games that would um, be published and also not just do it once, but you have to ideally be able to do that on an ongoing basis. And so I looked at it, wow, this is this is extremely competitive. What advantage could we bring to the table, so to speak, from an outsider's perspective that might give us a leg up in terms of any aspect of the development process for uh, making games. And so I actually connected with our co-founder, George Gomez, who has thankfully a PhD in AI, which I do not. I am purely <laughs> on the entrepreneur business end of things. And But he is an amazing uh, individual because 
at least from my background experience in terms of having worked with previous PhDs in computer science, et cetera, that many of them are are much more interested in the academic aspect of the results and, and, and the basic research and not really the applied research, depending on industry. And so he actually was a strong gamer and was interested in seeing what models could be applied towards uh, the field, towards uh, gaming and some of the bottlenecks for traditional game developers. And so that's really how it started, sort of the necessities, mother of invention. And we said, hey, are there models out there that would allow us to solve some aspects of the game development process? And it turns out the answer was yes. This was in 2020. So depends how you look at it. Early from an AI perspective, you know, relatively late from a you know mobile gaming hyper-casual perspective. But began to look at ideation and image generation, um, search, all based on AI uh, trained models. Yeah. And it was, I mean, you kind of glossed over that a little bit, Tom, because it was. I wanted to pause and allow for (laughs) (laughs) dialogue. (laughs) Just so humble, very humble here. I was going to say, I was listening to that. I was like, it's a very humble take of what you've done, which I think Jackie's about to say. It was a brave move because AI was very early doors then. And I remember because you phoned me up and said, what do you think about this? And I was like, whoa, this is the first I've heard of something like this. So it was very pioneering at the time and still is to a certain extent, you know, one of the first proper examples of an AI business that's now blossoming with, you know, new users every day, loads of new developers getting on board, lots of word of mouth associated with Ludo and its tools and that's why you're at shows like Pocket Gamer Connects and talking to developers there. But in the early days, it was a bit smoke and mirrors and everybody was very distrustful of the solution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would say that in the early days, we had to prove that the technology worked and the technology was still fairly rudimentary in terms of even the types of results you would get. And so the amazing thing thing it's unlike any opportunity any company that i've ever started even going back to soma and early days of internet amazing thing about what is happening now and again as we apply it towards gaming sector is that the pace of innovation for these ai models that are being released being trained to being available um be open source etc has accelerated to the point where i could say you know hey if you like our platform now, just wait a couple more weeks because it's already going to be like the next version, not some little update. And and I talked to our technical team and George and, and other folks on it. And they said, you know, we've been we've been in the field of AI for the past 15 years. And it used to be that about every few years, there'd be a major research paper that would come out at, and, and that would impact the field in terms of, you know, a model to be trained on or or something that had, you know, was a breakthrough. It usually comes from Google, OpenAI, Meta, et cetera. And then it would be like, okay, now annually. Um, but over the past, you know, a couple of years, it's gone from six months to quarterly breakthroughs to now, literally, I kind of wake up in the morning and expect George, who's over on your side of the pond, to be showing me another research paper that has a breakthrough, you know, almost on a weekly or daily basis. And I think that is pretty unique. And that's what's super exciting about the fact that this is tangible, there's so much, not money, not only money involved, but brain power and people approaching it from all aspects of um, academia and companies that it's going to be amazing. Like, I, I think the things we're talking about now in terms of uh, some of the image generation, some of the chat GPT, those models could easily be replaced in a year by something that we're not even, that we we're not even th- thinking about. Yeah. GPT-4. You know, 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so. it's it's been for me quite phenomenal to see how Ludo has grown because, you know, when we first started out, I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? And And the next thing you know, Ludo is doing it. You know, like the icon generator, for example, being able to just generate a a games icon that you see on an app store and see, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100 different options that you could have around that one icon. Amazing. Which A lot of that's come from developers feedback, right? That's come from, you know, people who are using it and say, hey, can you do this? I mean, that's really where a lot of our market intelligence came from. They said, hey, you have all this data. Is there a way to package it in so that it'd be, uh, you know, really useful for some trends and things like that? So that's right. But I guess to go back loud, trying to answer the question the best way possible is that we decided to just from the beginning, working uh, with the most of, but just to go heads down on building the technology and the platform to the greatest extent possible and not sort of having this huge, let's call it a uh, marketing campaign, UA campaign that says, here we are. And as Jackie alluded to, but it was more smoke and mirrors. We're like, let's just really build slowly this platform, get people on it who are raving fans. And so now we're at a point where uh, we're super excited. 2023 is going to be unbelievable in terms of the opportunities available. As you said, it's gone from, let's call it doubt and fear, skepticism to, I don't know if people are wholesale embracing AI, like, yes, but they know it's here and they know it will impact you know, their career. I think there's intrigue now, isn't there? Yeah. There's more intrigue than there was kind of the fear and skepticism. There's intrigue now. And I suppose that's that's kind of that's kind of where you want it to be. That's the sweet spot, isn't it, really? Because I think it's really interesting that you said how it kind of started, Ludo.ai started in terms of having sort of fans who came on and used the platform. Not only was that kind of your strategy that you kind of work with Jackie and Demosa on, but also, am I right in saying, and this is kind of half a question, it's potentially one of the reasons why it's exponentially growing and becoming more successful kind of year on year is because those fans who had that knowledge, who knew how to use it, who knew what they wanted from it, because it's a machine learning platform, it learned from these brilliantly resourceful users and is only kind of growing and growing and becoming more complex and sort of building on how many people have used it. Do you see what I mean? It's like it couldn't have yeah. had it couldn't have had millions of people arrive at its doorstep day one because it wouldn't have known what to do with itself kind of thing. It needed to have people to kind of, you know, use it in a way that it would then learn from. Correct. Yeah. Now that's a great point. And it is true the model gets trained based on user feedback, people on the platform and how they're using it. And then we're continuing to add to the model from other sources. And so it gets more and more refined. I think the difference is, is that for Ludo, we're not trying to be all things to all people in terms of our offering. It really is for the game professionals, um, game developers, designers, artists, and we're providing a suite of tools to help make their jobs 10x more efficient, be able to make games better, you know, less expensively with greater quality. So, and yeah, but that feedback loop, that network sort of effect is is what's beginning to happen. Absolutely. Well, this is the interesting thing, because when we first started off, we both agreed on a almost a, a slow burn of education mm-hmm. on AI, as well as introducing Ludo and what Ludo would be to the audience and it's been really interesting because it's been a truly global project not only from the inputs you know you've got Portuguese PhDs in AI you've got Tom in Seattle with the Jetplay team over there in Seattle you've got us 
headquartered in London. And then you've got a huge swathe of users coming from all sorts of different parts of the world. I mean, it's been a really interesting journey just in terms of the global nature of growth. How do you feel about, I know you're feeling really positive about 2023, But I can really see Ludo penetrating the Asian markets and Mm -hmm. it's already really strong in Turkey and in in Latin America. Uh, How do you feel about growing this truly global business from very much the startup with new, you know, new technology? Mm -hmm. How how do you feel about that? I feel good. Yeah, I I think that is the, well, there's a couple of opportunities that we think from a, let's call it growth standpoint, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think we looked at our database, you know, there's probably 75 countries around the world that are people there, studios there that are using it. And so we already have users in China and, and Japan and South Korea. But I think if you look at the Chinese market opportunity, especially for the types of games that are there that are um, more domestic oriented, that access and that training and the ability to cater, uh, I would say specifically towards um, the Chinese market in particular, Japan as well. Certainly we have a lot of access to South Korea. That would be something that would be big. And then interesting, I had a really good conversation with the folks at uh, Carry First about the growth. I mean, really the explosive growth that's happening in Africa, Northern Africa, even mm. South Africa. And the, the the number of startups that are happening there, the number of studios that are just being able to uh, get going. And I think these types of tools, these types of AI powered solutions for small studios that are just getting started, regardless of where you are worldwide, but particularly because they're accessible, mm. really would give a leg up to um, folks being able to um, start in the gaming industry. It really is democratizing the game development process. You know, if you're looking to 10 years back, it was only really large groups that could afford to spend a huge amount of money on uh, investing in technology. And now this technology is is there for the masses. So it is um, a really interesting time. I kind of, when I talk about it, I talk about being like the industrial revolution when you really are, you know, you're looking at the machines coming to the fore and people worrying about jobs, which is where AI has been sort of, everybody's been going, oh, is it going to take a job? Is going, But really, if we, if we look at it, it's encouraging our creativity and it's bringing out the creative process a lot more. And something I read that you wrote, Tom, was that through these tools, you can actually make games come alive that would never be thought possible before. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's we think, certainly, and I think a lot of people probably have a similar opinion who are in the field that in the coming years, let's call it, I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, in 2023 necessarily because of where the models are right now, but the state of where AI uh, innovation uh, will lead us to will be entirely new types of games with, you know, new types of plot scenarios, characters um, played in different ways that have been effectively generated a good part because of um, the models that will have been developed. And so, and that'll be, you know, that'll be completely fun and interesting. And, and we, you know, does that lead into aspects of the metaverse and the way things are engaged there? I don't, yeah, I can't speak to that other than for us, even now and going through into the next three to five years, I think it's fairly confident and fairly straightforward to say that the impact of AI software will be felt through most studios um, who are trying to develop games, whether it's on mobile 
PC and even from small studios to triple A's. And, and so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where it's going to be very exciting to see where this goes. Even, even if there's inevitably, you know, let's call it, there'll be legal um, ramifications. As I had said, you know, this technology has really outpaced the ability to have a legal framework around, you know, copyright issues. I mean, there's a fair use doctrine, at least in the States and, and, but that's going to be challenged. There's already lawsuits out. And so of course we're not naive even the fact that there's going to be pushback or laws or regulations, some aspect, but at the very least, and I believe most people would agree that you're not just going to stop it or shut it down because there are thousands of companies already out there and, and um, that are implementing aspects of AI. And I don't think people want to shut it down. I think maybe they want to say, hey, if you're an artist and you had created something, you know, how, how and when, or do you get compensated in that regard? Or is it all part of the overall training of the models, et cetera? And from a PR perspective, because it is called the rest is PR. So we're talking yes. about AI today and we'll we sort of loop PR into this. Why did you choose to, apart from our wonderfulness, mm-hmm. <laughs> how, why did you choose to go the PR route? Because you've obviously, you're an entrepreneur with a, a great track record. So you've experienced all the different forms of marketing that you could have employed when you first started out with Ludo. Why, why was it PR that you sort of, decided upon as your first sort of step to market? Great question. As I say, you know, as an entrepreneur, you only really have to make a a few good choices when you're starting out. Ideally, you pick the right field and the right opportunity, but then also it's important to pick the the right people you want to work with. And clearly, Jackie, you were on the short list of people I wanted to, to work with. I think, honestly, we looked at it as a small, lean team that you could argue was new to the industry, right? And and yeah. so the ability to, and as I understood what back then, which was three years ago, right, what you offered and your um, team's ability to get us in front of the right folks and tell the right story and really shape our message, craft our message as we're building this out, because it was early. And there is a little bit, as you said, of evangelism, education that's necessary when you're starting something new. We're trying to change habits in terms of people's work processes by offering something that's completely different to what they've had. And so I think the chance to work with Demoso, the industry leader in PR and marketing was was huge for us. And we've done, been extremely happy with, you know, all aspects of it, because I don't think it's only just the PR, right? And we have lots of, you know, ability to um, do the content marketing and have just different ways of getting the word out without focus entirely on a massive, Google paid search or, you know, some huge user acquisition campaign, which is frequently the way obviously games get, get out there, which makes sense. So I think what we sort of took was, I mean, we're really a little bit different at Demoso because as Tom knows, we very much bespoke our work around our clients. We don't say, okay, you know, we have a, this is the way we do things and that's it. And that's the offering. And we try to be as flexible as we can be and bring in the right measure of expertise so that we can be very bespoke to the client. And it was really great working with Ludo as a startup because we really saw everything grow up from being a baby. I mean, from even just, and I have to refer to this because regular listeners of our thousand <laughs> listeners, um, regular so many listeners. listeners. Oh, I'm so buzzing. <laughs> regular listeners worldwide will know that um ludo is the name of my dog and when we when we first started talking ludo your company ludo which is now much more famous than my dog um was was uh called prometheus 
And we spent Correct. that early, early on, we would spend the time just thinking about, is this the right name? Mm-hmm. Should we thinking about something else and we we happened upon Ludo simply because I had thought of Ludo as a, the name for the dog because all he would do was play and Ludo means I play in Latin so and it and again just another example of how fortunate we've been to work with with you and your team because you're right I mean that was a branding exercise that was something that is we were Prometheus AI and there was another group already it was similar and and we needed something that you know really uh, was stored simple, but spoke to what we were trying to accomplish. And um, so I think it was a true um, strike of genius, stroke of genius to uh, to <laughs> just look at your wonderful dog. And um, and uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it from the start. And I think it's been a great way to, for us to be able to brand and show, you know, Ludo AI, fun, it's playful, yet there's the technical, you know, AI aspect to it. And so it's a great, a great combination. And yeah, that's another example of, you know, we're, we, I think it was fortunate that we got to work with you from the beginning because there's so many things when you're building a company and as, as resources are, um, you know, lean, you're saying, how do you how do you best allocate time and money towards things that are important? And, and there's you can you can work with a team like yourselves or you can try and bring everything in house. I personally don't think, you know, I haven't started a lot of companies that um, that's always the best way, uh, especially if you're bootstrapping, you want to be very conservative with your cash and uh, be able to carry on and so to be able to um, have all the benefits of a larger group than we ourselves could have brought in house has has been fantastic and and so we've done and continue to do so much right in terms of pr marketing the shows the interviews yeah all that haven't we we've sort of layered things on as as ludo's grown up it's a bit like seeing the baby turn into a toddler turn into the (laughs) teenager it's like the the needs and requirements of the company and then ultimately the requirements of the company's clients itself, the, the users, the customers of Ludo, they need to be served by setting up things like Discord groups and newsletters and um, in explaining what's happening with Ludo and all the new features. So it's turned from just a external education and communication about Ludo's existence into a full 360 degree communication activity between the the clients from Ludo to the clients and also to the the new developers who are coming on board so it's been a real really interesting communication kind of growth and advancement absolutely yeah I mean if you think about it yeah we would I mean think about the case studies we've done with our existing power users the two newsletters we have going out, the Discord channels, Slack, you know, the the conferences, the interviews with, you know, various journalists in, in industry, all of that is something that would have been much more challenging to say the least for us and let alone um, just introductions that you've, you know, been so graciously generous with in terms of having me meet folks uh, in the industry that we, we think would be uh, good to know and, and who, we, you know, appreciate growing with. We actually did um, a podcast on networking, didn't we, ages ago, Lyle? We certainly did. We certainly um, did. Go back and listen it? to it, listeners, uh, our many <laughs> listeners. It's available on all streaming platforms. <laughs> we, we didn't, didn't say, we didn't especially say. someone new to the industry, it's it's critical, needless to say, right? I mean, it's it's common sense. You have to, I mean, people, despite all the technology, it, it, it's people working with people. Um, and ideally, you're working with the right people with the same values and same vision and and. Um, but if you're if you're starting from the outsider's perspective, let's call it, you know, and, and I haven't been in, in gaming for the past 20 years, et cetera. And, you know, having the, the resources or the networking benefits that Jackie and your team bring, it's, it's been that's um, just turbocharged what we're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I On that podcast that we did on networking, we didn't actually talk about following on from networking for yourself as a, as a good thing to do for yourself. What we, we should have maybe talked about is, you know, how you could, how to network other people and how to bring people together. Because luckily you're open-minded, Tom, and too humble sometimes in my opinion, but, <laughs> um, you know, from, from everything you've achieved. But you're open to meeting new people and whether they could benefit you or not, because down the line, they do. Um, especially in this industry. Um, this industry is a, a classic little microcosm. You know, people have been in the games industry we're talking about here, but that's a great industry that everybody knows each other. And once you've got into that sort of inner circle, you'll find, and Tom has found, that so-and-so will say, do you know so-and-so? And so, yes, and does he know so Oh, absolutely, and I know so-and-so. And, if, and there's a chain of, of connection that loops back really nicely. And so it's really good to be able to put people together and see things come of those connections. And I'm sure we'll be doing more of that. I completely agree. And I, I mentioned this to you before, and, and but I've certainly spoken about this, that I think what's amazing about the gaming industry and having worked in you know several industries over my career, what is fantastic and why I, I can say that I don't think I'll, I'll ever leave gaming in terms of just being part of this, because obviously it's very dynamic, you know, first embrace a lot of new technologies. It's fun at the end of the day, uh, great people, uh, you know, lots of young folks you learn from. But what's really, I think, neat about it is that the people, the founders who have done well, sold a studio or, you know, got purchased or whatever, almost invariably will put a lot of that money back into helping other, you know, being angel investors or, or starting their own studio again. No one really, and it's, it is different because a lot of industries you might exit, you know, some software company you had and you're like, all right, well, I'm, I'm done with that, you know, healthcare or whatever. I'm going to focus on apartment buildings or something like that. But the game uh, industry, it seems like these founders are like, yeah, okay, that was a great exit. Um, maybe we'll take a little break, but we're, we're jumping right back into it. I've got an idea for web three, or I've got an idea of this, or I'm going to back a bunch of these folks that I worked with before. And, I think that's that's pretty special. That's really neat. I can also track my fledgling PR career alongside Ludo's existence as a business because listeners, bit of Lyle trivia when it comes to his work with the Mozo. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, one of the first jobs I was given by Jackie, my now co-host on this podcast, but lest we remind our listeners as well, also still my boss technically, um, was um, the fact that she said she turned around and said, um, I just need you to go and just use Ludo for like a few weeks and just use it and just play around with it. And actually that was what I was going to um, pull out of something you said uh, earlier, Tom. Firstly, I just think, by the way, listeners, it's a miracle that we've mentioned the word Ludo more times than we've ever mentioned before it's on a podcast it's and he's not around. Yeah, I was going to say. Because Tom will attest to this when he's with me and we're on the phone and we're mentioning Ludo all the time. He's like this. <laughs> I think you've managed the risk there brilliantly, Jackie. I think you've mitigated <laughs> the risk there by not having Ludo anywhere near this particular episode of the podcast. <laughs> but what I loved actually, Tom, about what you said earlier on, when it, from a PR perspective, and I think, you know, we'll have to have you back on the podcast to talk all about, you know, you've kind of alluded to brilliantly, you know, the world of AI and generative AI going to be taking the world by storm this year if it hasn't done already and needless to say by the way as a small tangent you know all of these apps listeners and all of these online programs and services that you've seen making use of generative ai if it wasn't being done by ludo first it was certainly being done by ludo while that was all going on as well by the way you know image generation icon generation you know ideation game mechanics generation and the only reason i know all of this is because i write about it and i love writing about it <laughs> every single week it's amazing but one of the brilliant things you said there tom is about kind of 
employing and engaging with a PR company because we would help you tell the right stories. And I think from our perspective as a PR company as well, something that's brilliant about a client is when you have a client, obviously we have all sorts of clients and we have all different shapes and sizes of stories and narratives, but Ludo's story just continues to evolve. I think that's mm. what we love about it. And I, you know, I'd like to point that out is, is by no means a bad thing if you engage with a client where the story and the narrative remains the same. And Jackie and I have spoken about how it's important to stick to your principles, which I think Ludo AI does but lots of clients you know year on year will very much be like hey we're just going to improve what we've already got Ludo AI is just constantly introducing new stuff it's new new features new mechanics new ways of using the platform something I've loved writing about recently given my risk averse nature is the fact that Ludo AI started out as and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, and I, I may well sort of fall into a bit of a hole and dig myself a hole here, given that I do write about Ludo all you the time. You can always edit it out. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna back myself. Is it's you know the fact that it was an ideation platform that you could use it to kind of create things, and it was a toolkit for developers and studios of all shapes and sizes to come in and open that thing up. But I've been writing recently about how the trends features that are now available on Ludo mm -hmm. AI and how the market research side of things has meant that actually it's becoming more and more alongside that ideation side of things. It's becoming more and more a, this industry is really competitive. This industry is really difficult to break into. It's also very expensive. It can be very time consuming. Here's a whole set of tools that allow you to kind of mitigate the risk before you take it to market, you know, allow you to research, allow you to do that sort of thing. That's an evolution that's an evolution of the story of Ludo that then we as a PR agency have gone, well, yeah, we'll, we'll take it in that direction with you. And do you know what I mean? And, and I just love about a client. I love that. Do you know what I mean? I think I find that really interesting and exciting. That's one of the reasons I think you get into it is you engage with clients who grow with you. Do you see what I mean? I mean, have, have you felt that Tom? And I suppose that's a question for you, Jackie, as well. I mean, has that been an exciting side of PRing Ludo AI? Has that been like, what's been so great about it? The joy of Ludo is that it's really relevant. It doesn't just throw features at people for the sake of a feature. It answers the developer's needs. And so when you deliver up that next feature to developers, you know that it's going to be interesting because it's what they want. It's what they've asked exactly. for. It's built on developers' needs and requirements. And that's why it's so joyful to represent and you know the aha moment when you talk to people about ludo if they haven't heard of ludo and it is growing in word of mouth and we had a guy do a ludo youtube the other day we didn't even know he was doing it and we got a thousand signups in a day yeah, exactly and he's like hello where does where does all this come from <laughs> and it was just one developer doing a video in Spanish, which we had to get translated, so we knew what we were saying. That's right, listeners. We're part, we're all we're both part of elite clubs. You know, a thousand signups in a day, a thousand streams of the podcast. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, a, a, just lots of people don't reach a thousand of anything, right? So I'm going to yeah. put that out there. And, yeah. this, this is the thing. This is the interesting thing because we know that we've got a feature set that's really relevant. And so, and I was just saying, when you get the aha moment, when you tell someone, "Well, Ludo does that," it's like, really? And as soon as they're there. That's it. It's like catnip. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna well. go back and, and check that out. Or, um, oh, yes, the, the, let's see what Ludo's doing. So it starts becoming a bit catnippy. And if you've got a product that is like catnip, you're on a, on a winner. And so for us as a PR company, what joy to be able to bring that to a market we know very well as well. So 
Absolutely right, 100%. Thank you, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I would just add to that and, and Lyle, to your point in terms of the market intelligence aspect, right? The competitive analysis, that is something that has become absolutely one of the most popular aspects of why people go to Ludo and as Jackie mentioned, you know, return regularly and it's what we call sort of that engagement factor, that stickiness that people are saying, hey, this keeps me current. Even if I'm not ideating or creating a game at this moment, I know what the trends are. I know I can do competitive analysis. And so that's been amazing. But you're also right in the sense of we add features. We're only adding them based on user feedback and I'll, you know, a little sneak peek. I mean, we will be adding video creatives this year because ads and ad video creatives are the number one most requested thing from developers, from everybody we've been talking to. The models from the AI aspect of it are beginning to come out. We're tracking them and, and the ability for us to be able to train on data sets, um, that's going to be huge. Obviously, it's, you know, probably a lot of people are thinking or looking at it, but I think the advantage that we have is we already have trained models based on all the games, based on all the images and, and existing videos. So it's going to be super exciting. 3D asset generation is another one that's certainly heavily discussed, promoted. It's not truthfully, even if people say it, it is not there right now, but mm -hmm. it is coming. The ability to take an actual 3D asset and integrate it into um, a build, a prototype. So there's, there's lots of exciting stuff, but it's built upon what the users want. So it's not a, let's call it a surprise when it's out there. People are excited because they've been waiting for it. And this is so interesting as well, because when I was talking to our lovely Mr. Eric Kress, who has been on this podcast, um, so mm -hmm. listeners will know Eric from the Deconstructor of Fun podcast, a week back, or maybe it will be two weeks ago now because they do theirs on a Thursday. He mentioned AI, the generative AI as being one of the areas, one of the sets of interest from an investment standpoint. Which I was mm -hmm. like, whoop, whoop. soon he's going to mention Ludo. I was listening. I was thinking he's going to mention Ludo. He knows about Ludo and he didn't. So Eric, if you're listening to this, as you have mentioned yourself, this is the next, this is the next big thing. And he will be listening. He will be listening. He's a fan. <laughs> we know he's, we know he's a fan. So, you know, he will be. We do know. We do know. But also it's the start of something that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not Absolutely. niche. Everybody's saying, oh, it's a bit niche. It's just getting... <laughs> This is not niche. If you're seeing, talking about anything to do with Web3 or the next iteration of the internet or the metaverse, all of the Ludo tools are going to grow with anything that is creator-based. And there are millions, like Yaha hasn't had a 90 million invested in it as a UGC platform. In the, uh, UGC yeah, UGC is huge. Absolutely. So yeah, you're, they're going to need some, something like Ludo to help them come up with the ideas to fill up that space. So this is this is just moving forward. It's so exciting. Sorry, I'm getting... No, no, no we love I, it. We I love appreciate it. it. Yeah, I mean, as we say, you know, what we are building and focus on is a comprehensive approach to game development. And we've started, as we said, the history of the company was with ideation, was with search, and then generation, image generation, icon generation, screenshots, and then market intelligence. But we're steadily moving down the path of trying to solve the problems along the entire development pipeline. And so mm. we're comprehensively focused. And I think that's the difference is that we want to get to the point where you're able to quickly generate, as I said, videos based on text, videos based on other images, to be able to test them, prototype, and you know, go the, the complete length of the game development process. So 
that that's what's exciting is that there's so many problems that can still be solved by applying aspects of, of this. And you're right. We're completely, let's call it agnostic in terms of the types of games or whether it's a blockchain game, whether Web3 style, um, obviously mobile and PC. And um, because the AI framework is foundational to what's going to be built. Anything that's user generated and all of the contents that's necessary, even the head of NVIDIA has said that is going to be assisted largely by artificial intelligence in the future. How will the metaverse be built? It will be built by the foundation of AI and be able to generate all that content from all the thousands and millions of new users and creators. Absolutely brilliant. And it's, by the way, Tom, it's as if you read my mind, because I was about to go, do you have an exclusive on what's next for Ludo? (laughs) What new features are we getting? And there it is, listeners. Straight from Tom, a sneak peek of what's coming up for Ludo. Very, very exciting year in store for Ludo AI. No doubt about that whatsoever. Tom, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It's more or less kind of where we are in uh, in Seattle. So, uh, so we'll let you get on because I know you're very, very busy. And your working day is just starting as, as ours is coming to a close over here in the UK. Uh, but Tom, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I can say, yeah, no. But, uh, hey, I might do, still do some work on this. Um, but yeah, Tom Piggott, thank you so, so much. And also just been such thank a pleasure you. to catch up with you after so, so long. I've mentioned to Tom before we went live, listeners, I wasn't married before uh, the last time I saw Tom in person. And I've been married for over a year. But before we let you go, listeners, and before we let Tom go, a few T's and C's. If you want to see what the rest is PR has been up to, you can go to the rest is PR.com. You can also get in touch with us, info at the rest is PR.com or via LinkedIn, myself and Jackie, or you can email info at demozo.com. Speaking of demozo, if you want to see what demozo and the team have been up to, lots of exciting stuff, you can head over to demozo.com. We'll also link ludo.ai, and I'll spell that for you listeners as you listen. My PR hat on for the, well, not the first time this episode, it is ludo, L-U-D-O dot A-I. Head over to it, sign up. I could not encourage that more. It's absolutely brilliant. Always new things coming out as kind of invested in by you when it comes to what you guys want from the platform, as we've just mentioned and we just talked about all through this episode. But listeners, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you along the ride with us with Jackie, Tom, and myself. Tom, we'd love to have you back on if you'll have us. Will you come back on the podcast sometime in the future? I would love to be back on. I feel like we are just scratching the surface in terms of the conversation. And Jackie Lyle, it's really been a pleasure uh, as always, but this has been a lot of fun. I don't get the chance to do a lot of podcasts and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I felt like you know, the hour zipped by and, and we have a lot more to discuss. So please um, put me on your list when whenever yeah. you want to discuss further. 100%. You, Tom, you you are, as you have been for some time, up right there, close to the top of the list when it comes to people being on the podcast. Thank you so much for being on. And also, this is just the beginning from a podcast perspective. You know, the rest is PR as a springboard. You're going to go off, you know, deconstructor of fun. Eric, you're listening. You know, have, yeah, come on, Eric. You know, come on, Eric. You know, take the hint. Tell me to go. But thank you so much, listeners, for being with us for the rest is PR this latest episode. Jackie, same time next week. Absolutely stuff well once again listeners it has been a real pleasure to have you on the ride with us this time around and from tom jackie and myself it's bye for now